0: Hi and welcome to this first episode of Infraction, our new true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And today we'll be exploring the murder of French au pair Sophie Lyonnais. So you settled in, Sal? You ready? Yeah, I'm all good to go. Perfect. Okay, so let's begin. This story starts in the summer of 2017 with a seemingly ordinary couple, Sabrina Coudere and Wiesem Madouni. The French couple lived in a £900,000 house in Wimbledon in London with two children. The eldest child was nine years old and the youngest child was around four years old. The younger child was not Wiesem's biological child. This is because Sabrina and Wiesem had a very tumultuous relationship. Sabrina was a stunning socialite, a makeup artist who was obsessed with the notion of fame and would have done almost anything to rub shoulders with celebrities. Wiesem was a bit different. He was a banker in the city and he was actually the complete opposite to Sabrina. He was, for all intents and purposes, just a bit of a plain Jane. Basically, from what I've read, he was just so in awe of Sabrina and the fact that someone like her would be with him, that he really just let her do whatever she wanted. The couple were technically married, they were married in a Muslim ceremony, but Sabrina always introduced Weeson to people as her cousin, which is quite weird, but she basically just refused to publicly acknowledge their relationship. I imagine the reason that she did this was because, although she was already married, she was still on the hunt for a man who could give her her dream of becoming a celebrity. And in 2011, she got her opportunity at a bank in Notting Hill. Sabrina Cudair bumped into Mark Walton, and it was love at first sight. Mark Walton was founder and member of Boyzone, and went on to be a very well-off music producer and a judge on Vietnam's Pop Idol. He was incredibly rich and knew a lot of celebrities. And so, Sabrina, not for the first time, walked away from her husband and their child and embarked on a two-year-long relationship with Mark. Mark described their relationship as turbulent. He said that she could be quite scary at times. She would speak in a sort of soft French accent and then completely lose it. She would go crazy over trivial things and scream at him, even if they were in public. And obviously with him having a sort of celebrity status, this was really embarrassing for him and it's not something that he wanted. During this two-year relationship, Mark and Sabrina had a child together, but it was not enough to keep the couple together and they split up shortly after their child was born. With her tail between her legs, Sabrina went back to Wimbledon and reconciled with Weesum. After a couple of years of raising her two children, Sabrina felt overwhelmed and decided that it was time to hire a nanny. She put an advert out for an au pair who would be able to speak to the children in both French and English. Didn't you have no pair, Sal? Yeah, we had quite a few of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what does an au pair do? Um so basically they're like a nanny,
1: um, except for that they come over here to learn English as well. So usually you'd find that they would probably go to college during the day when they're not looking after the children. Uh, it's typically only for kind of a year, so I guess it's like a way of doing a gap year paid for a lot of them. And often they'll be younger, so a lot of ours were kind of younger, I was in their 20s.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So it kind of makes sense that they would put out an advert for someone who wanted to come over from a different country to be an au pair in England. That's not unusual. No, absolutely. All right. So if we jump over to Trois in France, 20 year old Sophie Lianet was looking for a job. Her friend showed her an advert for a French couple in London who were looking for an au pair and she jumped at the chance. Sophie quickly got herself certified by the child protection services and left her home where she lived with her mother, Catherine, to start her new life in London. During her first few months with the family, Sophie really did seem to be having such an amazing time. She regularly posted photos and videos of her and the children. She really did adore them and it was really obvious that they adored her as well. Remember I said earlier that Sabrina was a makeup artist? Yeah. So she totally transformed Sophie. Honestly, it's kind of like the scene in The Princess Diaries. (laughs) Sophie had quite unruly hair and didn't wear makeup. And then all of a sudden she was doing photo shoots in the garden with Sabrina and posting these to Facebook. And she really does look amazing. Her hair was all nicely curled and she had lots of makeup on. And she was doing all these poses. And she's honestly just, she looks like she's living her best life.
1: Is that not a tiny bit strange though, having... Uh, this woman who you work for suddenly tries to transform the way you look?
0: Um, Yeah, like it could be. Um, I never really thought of it like that. I kind of always just assumed that um, because Sabrina was sort of like a girly girl, maybe this was like quite a nice fun opportunity for her to interact with other girls because obviously she had two sons. Um, But yeah, maybe when I think about it, it could be seen as a little bit controlling and maybe a bit manipulative. Yeah. I'm not really sure. She left her small house in France to move into a wonderful home in a really affluent area in London. The children she is looking after love her. She's getting her hair and makeup done. Her employer is basically like a sister to her. It really does sound like the perfect job. Unfortunately, it didn't stay perfect for long. Sophie began to lose lots of weight. She wouldn't leave the house as much. People didn't see her around the parks in Wimbledon like they used to. One day she went into their local fish and chip shop and the owner, Michael Cromer, was a friend of Sabrina and Wiesom's. Michael noticed that Sophie looked dishevelled and upset, and when he asked her what was wrong, Sophie started crying. She said that Sabrina had beat her. Michael was shocked. When he asked her why Sabrina had beat her, Sophie said that it was because she dropped some butter on the floor. Oh my god. Michael was stunned. He told Sophie that she could come and stay with him and that he would give her a job at the fish and chip shop. But Sophie told him no, she had to get back to the house. This was the last time Michael ever saw her. Five months later, on the 20th of September 2017 at 3pm, firefighters were called to that home in Wimbledon. A concerned neighbour had seen thick black smoke coming from the back garden of the house that belonged to Sabrina and Wissam. She told the police that the smell coming from the fire was awful. She told the 999 responder to send a fire engine quickly because the couple who lived there had two small children and an au pair. The firefighters arrived and Wissam Maduni opened the door. He looked shocked to see them and told them that there was no fire. He was simply having a barbecue. The firefighters walked through the house to the back garden and, sure enough, they find a barbecue with chicken cooking on it. However, next to the barbecue was a blazing fire. When asked what it was, Weeson responded that he was just cooking some lamb. Right, okay, so he's got a barbecue going to cook on some chicken, but he's also
1: got an open fire to cook lamb. I don't think that's ever something I've done at a barbecue.
0: No, exactly. And to be fair, I have read a lot of sources on this. Some sources say that he was cooking some lamb and some say that he said he was burning a sheep's carcass. But completely agree with you. Either way, they both sound like complete shit. Because you have some very questionable cooking techniques if you think the way to cook a lamb is by setting it on fire.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Some, yeah, straight away doesn't sound quite right, does it?
0: Exactly, and the firefighters thought exactly the same. On further inspection, the firefighters saw fingers and a human nose in the flames, and they immediately alerted the police. Weeson was arrested and taken into custody. Okay, Sal, do you think this is weird? Because bear in mind that this is only like three years ago, so it's fairly recent. But in the ashy remains of the fire, the police found a pair of glasses and a bracelet and some pieces of clothing. And they took these objects around to neighbours' houses to see if they could identify who they belonged to. Oh
1: my god, that doesn't sound like something, obviously I'm mean, really going off what I see on TV here, but it sounds more like they should be bagged up, photographed, etc. It sounds slightly strange just to take the artefacts around, just in your hands, to neighbours, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, completely. That's kind of what I felt, and I agree with you, you would take photographs or something like that. But it actually worked because the neighbours said that they thought the glasses looked like Sophie's and another said that the bracelet looked like Sophie's as well. So in custody, some continued to say that the body on the fire belonged to a lamb. I mean, how stupid is this man?
1: <laughs> yeah, really. And also, I was just thinking, then, if you were going to try and dispose of a body, I'm not sure why you'd leave all the possessions, such as glasses, that are much less likely to break down in a fire, on the body. Surely that's just very very bad thinking from them
0: yeah that's actually really true but maybe it goes on because as you'll kind of as you'll see as I go on to tell this story this isn't a um, like sexual crime it's not sexual against Sophie so I wonder if maybe because some is a Muslim man so may- maybe he just doesn't want to uh, take the clothes off of her and put her on the fire do you know what I mean maybe it's too much for him to like strip her naked and put her on this fire
1: <laughs> I was just thinking about her glasses and her bracelet really <laughs> <laughs> no mention naked
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's the same principle isn't it because our clothes wouldn't i guess our clothes would probably burn better yeah in seconds (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh god okay he's a
1: muslim also if he draws the line at stripping her but he'll happily burn her but he's a good muslim man so he's not going to take her clothes off (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh for fuck's
1: sake right <laughs>
0: oh god okay so, so back to when he's in the cell whilst Weeson was in custody telling completely believable lies to the police presumably at this point they've found
1: a body on a fire as well so I mean at this point you're just questioning whether the police can identify the difference between an animal and a human
0: yeah exactly and well, it's exactly that because they said that they found fingers and a human nose but I agree I I think at this point they probably had found the body um, but he continues to tell these lies to the police whilst in custody. And at that point, um, Sabrina returned home from the park with her children and she was actually arrested as well. So in custody, Sabrina denied any participation in Sophie's death. She swore it was just Weesom who had done it. And when Weesom found out that Sabrina had also been arrested, he changed his story. And shockingly, he said the exact same thing as Sabrina. It was just him who had killed Sophie. Sabrina had nothing to do with it. I think at this point, though, that kind of reflects what I've understood so far about their relationship,
1: him being quite unassuming, maybe quite submissive. Mm -hmm. um, And I guess just quite in awe of Sabrina, I guess. He's taken her back already when she's left him once. So maybe this sort of speaks volumes about how much he loved her and that he was willing to to do anything to make sure she didn't get in trouble. Mm -hmm.
0: That is so true. He does seem to be quite almost under her thumb and she does seem to have some kind of control and power over him because you are right, in custody, he's continuously denying any knowledge of the crime and even the fact that Sophie's dead and that the body belongs to Sophie. And then as soon as he finds out that Sabrina's been arrested... He completely changes his story, implicates only himself, and that obviously is because he is trying to protect Sabrina. He doesn't care about protecting himself at this point, so yeah, you are right. Uh. So, the police called the French police and alerted them that Sophie Lyonnais had been murdered. At four o'clock in the morning, Sophie's mother was awoken and she was told the devastating news. Just across town, Sophie's dad was receiving the same horrendous news. Sophie would not be coming home. Of course, the question on everyone's lips was what the hell had happened in that house. Why had Wiesem killed their au pair and why had he tried to burn the body? During her questioning, Sabrina painted a very different picture of Sophie to the ones that neighbours and friends had described. Sabrina told the police that Sophie was lazy. She spent most of her time on her phone sitting on the couch. She would wait for Sabrina to serve her. It was as if Sabrina was working for Sophie and not the other way around. Sabrina claimed that Sophie was a thief and had stolen some of her jewellery and that she had got herself caught up in the wrong crowd and spent most of her nights drinking.
1: So my initial thoughts on all of this are Sabrina's acting like she has no control over Sophie, which is just not true of the dynamic of the relationship. I mean, at what point would she, A, just let Sophie go, not have Mm -hmm. her looking after the children? Why would she let Sophie sit around doing nothing, if that's really true. It just sounds like Sabrina's making herself out to be helpless in this situation.
0: Yeah, no, she really does. She really makes out that she has no control over Sophie. You're completely right. What do you mean by the dynamic? Because, what, Sophie lives in their house.
1: Yeah, so Sophie's come across, she's a young girl. It's probably her first time living away from home. In reality, she's probably the vulnerable one, likely to be in the position of possibly being exploited if there is anyone is going to be yet the way sabrina's saying it um would suggest the complete opposite that sophie's got some kind of position of power and i'm just not sure Mm -hmm. how she would have that being in someone else's home in a country that's unfamiliar to her
0: yeah no that's really true i hadn't even thought of it like that but that is really true So, most shockingly of all, Sabrina claimed that Sophie was taking the youngest child out of the house to meet paedophiles so that they could sexually assault the baby. Oh, my God. Sabrina claimed that Sophie had gotten into a relationship with Mark Walton. What? uh, Celebrity ex? Right. Okay. She said that Mark had coerced Sophie into a sexual relationship and that Sophie was taking the child to Mark so that Mark could sexually assault him. I mean, come on. This is his child.
1: Yeah. And how at this point then has Sophie even met Mark?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. I assume maybe because Sabrina's obviously claiming that Sophie's continuously out of the house getting drunk and things like that. But yeah, you are right. How would they have crossed paths with each other? So further still, Sabrina produced to the police a handwritten letter signed by Sophie. The letter read, Mark Walton asked me to come and see him. He started to touch my breasts and he kissed me on the neck. Mark offered me some money and he asked me to come back with Sabrina's youngest child. The letter was examined by handwriting experts and it was concluded that Sophie had written it. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Sabrina said that when Sophie had admitted what she had been doing, so she'd admitted that she'd been taking the youngest child out of the house to meet paedophiles, at this point some lost control and hit Sophie and it was this blow that had caused Sophie to fall backwards and resulted in her accidental death. Sabrina claims that this happened between the 18th and 19th of September and that Sabrina had coincidentally been asleep throughout the whole thing.
1: Okay, so she's found out that uh, her au pair is taking her child to meet sexual predators and then she went for a lie down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So my next question was going to be, do you think it's true? But I'm guessing that you definitely don't.
1: No, something doesn't sound right here.
0: Yeah, so the police didn't actually believe her either. They interviewed Mark Walton and he had absolutely no idea who Sophie Leone was. He claimed that he had never met her. He immediately opened up his entire life for the police. He gave them access to his phone and computer and the police found no trace at all of any communication between Sophie and Mark. Stranger still, they realised that Mark hadn't even been in England for over a year. Okay. So the police did some more investigating and everyone they spoke to in the neighbourhood sung Sophie's praises. They said she was very attentive with the children. She wasn't lazy. If anything, she was the complete opposite. She was totally overworked and the children really looked up to her as if, she was their own mother rather than Sabrina. Everyone said that over the last few months they hadn't seen Sophie at all and one neighbour remarked that it was like she was a prisoner. So at this point in my research I was having some thoughts about why Sophie didn't just leave and the further I looked into this the worse it became because Sabrina had taken away all of Sophie's ID. She had taken her passport and all her documentation and it transpired that Sophie wasn't even being paid for the work she was doing. So she was just essentially a slave to this couple. It is awful, but you do hear
1: cases of basically modern day slavery hidden away in places like Wimbledon or very what people would consider to be upper class, mm-hmm. safe places. Actually, young, these girls, the pairs are very young and vulnerable and. Like I say, they're living in someone else's home. It would be so easy for the employee, if that's what you can call them, to deprive them of some of their freedoms. And it can tip over the line to a point of yeah, you know, what is considered modern-day slavery, modern-day human trafficking, etc. It is quite shocking to actually hear about it, though, because you can't picture it really happening, can you? But you hear something mm. like this, and it's just awful.
0: Yeah, no, that that is really terrifying. I actually didn't have any idea about that. I honestly just thought that this was maybe quite naively just a one-off sort of situation to be honest it does make a lot of sense if you're living in someone's house and they of course have the most control over you and especially I guess in Sophie's situation now they've taken her passport she hasn't got any money there is literally nowhere for her to go
1: no absolutely and as horrible as it might be unless she can feel confident to run away but again these are probably people that are relatively respected in the community yeah. in that position of would people believe her at this mm-hmm. point, I guess she's completely dependent on them for food, money, mm-hmm. a shelter, etc. So you can
0: see how people might end up staying in these, what we would think of as awful conditions. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. So the forensic teams then searched both Sabrina and Weeson's phone and what they found was shocking. There was a photo taken of Sophie a few days before her death and she is completely emaciated. She looks so thin, so withdrawn from herself. It's honestly awful to see. And if you Google it, you will find it, but I don't think I'm going to put this picture on the Instagram because I think it's just a bit too harrowing. Yeah. The evidence in the phones revealed that Sophie had been tortured for more than six weeks before her death. There were videos of Sabrina and Weesem screaming at Sophie, demanding to know where she had taken the young child, shouting at her to admit that she was in a relationship with Mark Walton and that her and Mark had been sexually abusing the child. In one video, Sabrina shouts, you made a huge mistake, Sophie. You delivered a four-year-old into the hands of a paedophile. Mark paid you. I have evidence. You cannot go home without telling us everything. To which Sophie replies, I don't remember having gone to someone's house with the little one. She clearly has no idea what they're talking about, but they are relentless. They inflicted weeks of abuse on her, including waterboarding her in the bath, which is just horrific. Oh my gosh. And why have they recorded all of this as well? Um, I don't actually know, but I'm assuming what we go on later to find out is that um they wanted to use these recordings basically to blackmail Mark Walton. And so I'm assuming that is why they recorded it, because they wanted to get the evidence... I guess that was maybe like indisputable evidence of yeah. Sophie admitting on camera what she and Mark Walton had been doing together. But I mean, in the videos, it's quite clear that they are really, really seriously harassing this poor girl. So I don't really think that they would ever hold any kind of credible weighting as to evidence of what Mark is supposedly doing.
1: No, it, it sounds like it would be a completely coerced confession, but then I suppose that just speaks to, I don't know how deluded Sabrina is at this point.
0: Mm hmm. So at this point, back in the police station, Wiesem is still saying that it was an accident and that Sabrina had nothing to do with Sophie's death. The police had heard other witness testimonies about Sophie being terrified of Sabrina and obviously the report from Michael Cromer that Sophie had been beaten by Sabrina. They knew that she had something to do with Sophie's death but what they really needed to do was find some evidence to link Sabrina to this crime. Yeah. The police decided to turn to the other people who had been in that house and so they brought in the couple's eldest child to interview him. Oh God. So the child said that he had woken up in the middle of the night and heard noises coming from the bathroom. He went to the bathroom door and could hear his mum, his dad and his au pair all in there. He said that he could hear lots of splashing water and that water was coming out from underneath the bathroom door. He said he could hear Sabrina shouting and Sophie screaming. He said the next day his nanny had gone and that his mum said he wouldn't see her again. This was just what the police needed. It was clear proof that Weesom had not acted alone and that Sabrina was just as guilty as her husband was. On the night of September 18th, after six weeks of being held prisoner and 12 straight days of abuse, Sophie confessed to everything that they were accusing her of. On that night, the couple had got exactly what they needed. They got the taped confession of Sophie saying her and Mark had conspired together to sexually abuse their child and they were going to use it to bring down Mark Walton and get as much of his money as possible. They killed Sophie in the bathroom with their eldest child stood right outside. The cause of Sophie's death is not conclusive because her body was so badly burnt in the fire. However, the autopsy revealed that she had multiple fractures to her jaw, her legs, her ribs, and her sternum. The sternum bone is actually an incredibly hard bone to break because it's such a flexible bone, so it was really clear to the police that a tremendous amount of force had been used on Sophie, and they concluded that it was likely that she had been beaten to death. (gasps) At the trial, Sabrina admitted to beating and whipping Sophie with an electrical cord because, quote, I felt betrayed. I did everything for her. Sabrina claims that Sophie kept apologising during the whipping, but that she never cried. Sabrina claimed that, in fact, she is the one who cried, and that inflicting that sort of pain on Sophie caused her to have a panic attack. The couple took her body and hid it in a suitcase. They then put this suitcase under one of the children's beds. How fucked up are you that you're hiding a dead body under your kid's bed? Oh my god, that is
1: so haunting.
0: Yeah, it's awful. On the 26th of June 2018, both Sabrina Kuder and Wiesem Maduni were found guilty of Sophie's murder and were given life sentences with a minimum term of 30 years. They were also handed an additional five and a half year sentence each for the unlawful destruction of Sophie's body. Both Sabrina and Wiesem appealed their convictions on the grounds that they were unsafe and that the sentences were too long, but thankfully both appeals were denied. It is unclear what led Sabrina and Wiesem to kill Sophie. Perhaps it was just greed and they really believed they would be able to use Sophie's tape confession to blackmail money out of Mark Walton. But I really think it was more deep-rooted than that. I think Sabrina was obsessed with Mark and she would have done anything to bring him down and humiliate him. I think Weeson was just so submissive and would have done anything Sabrina asked him to. And part of me really does think that he probably did believe the lies that Sabrina was drip-feeding him about Sophie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess if he's not around a lot and he clearly adores this woman... As we've said before, mm-hmm. he's taken her back. He's put up with what we can only imagine to be quite difficult behaviour. I guess, actually, for most people, it's a bit incomprehensible that you would make up something like Sabrina has about Sophie and Mark. So, actually, like you say, maybe even if it was partly rooted in denial, maybe a part of Wiesem wanted to believe that his wife was just trying to protect their family from this person who'd done mm-hmm. awful things. Yeah,
0: I think that's I think that's a really fair summary of, of this situation i think we was just so blinded by love almost maybe in a kind of similar way to the way that sabrina was clearly blinded by her love for mark walton because her actions and you know maybe she was doing what she was doing to try and get money from mark but i think it was more than that i think she was trying to destroy mark walton um and that probably is because she never got over their relationship
1: yeah and from the sounds of things all she ever wanted was access to the celebrity world to fame to this high life and for one moment in her life Mark was the answer to that but ostensibly he rejected her and closed that door on her and from the sounds of things went on to say some probably not very nice things about her maybe revealed sides of her personality that ruined the allure that she wanted people to to see about her and I think fundamentally it sounds like she had a very deep-rooted anger towards him but I think ultimately you have to pair that with some sort of mental illness because actually not only is what she's done completely disproportionate to any kind of bad relationship breakup but also it's just quite a bizarre way to go about it and her actions of being able to really do those awful things to another human being suggest a little bit to me that Maybe she'd almost got to a point where she believed that what she was doing was the right path.
0: Yeah, maybe she did really believe it because this wasn't the first um thing that she ever did to try and bring down Mark Walton. There were like several reports of her phoning the police and accusing Mark of uh, sexually abusing her cat and then it turned out she didn't even have a cat. She also rang his mother in Dublin, contacted his business partners and created a fake Facebook page, all of which she accused him of being a paedophile on. Um, she also got a non-molestation order against him under the guise that he was trying to sexually assault her and their kids so i think you are right this is this is clearly like a delusion but now she's just gone sort of one step further to really, really try and bring him down, I guess.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that it's all about abuse because, on the one hand, you'd think, oh, this is calculated. She's accusing him of the worst p- thing you can do in society and she mm-hmm. wants to bring about the greatest amount of shame. But on the other hand, the extent to which she got so obsessed with it, ultimately leading to the death of someone who really had nothing to do with any of it, you then start to wonder, actually. Oh, is she delusional? Is this something that she really believed? I think it's so hard to know without being inside anyone's head to understand Mm -hmm. really how this situation escalated to the point where it did.
0: Yeah, and where someone died. And like you said, Sophie literally had nothing to do with this whatsoever. No, absolutely. And also to some extent how Mark must feel about this because I've seen interviews and stuff where he's kind of said, you know, he, he never stops thinking about the fact that someone died because of him, which... It's actually quite true, Mm. obviously it had nothing to do with Mark, but because of Sabrina's obsession with Mark, Sophie really did die as a result of her trying to get her penance or whatever it was that she was trying to get.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it was a fight that she was never really part of, but somehow became a pawn in. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other thing to try and remember here is that there's more than one victim to this crime, Mm -hmm. I mean, just thinking back obviously what's happened to Sophie is beyond words but also the thought of that little boy being stood outside a bathroom you really wonder how he won't carry this around for the rest of his life and what kind of impact that's going to have on him as a, a young child who saw the people that were meant to protect him doing unspeakable things to a person that as you said he really adored and and felt cared for by.
0: That is what is so sad about this, is that there is nothing normal about being eight or nine years old and being dragged into a police station and having to tell the tale of how you heard your parents murdering your au pair. And he was of the age where he would remember that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no way as a child you can comprehend what you're seeing. And yeah, I just think fundamentally that's got to have a huge impact on your experiences of relationships and people.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. All the sources that I used for this episode will be in the description box and if you follow us on Instagram at infraction.thepod you will be able to see some photos of Sophie and Sabrina and Wisa. I don't really think I have anything else to add to you Sal.
1: No just that as always our thoughts will always primarily be with the victim of this horrific crime and her Mm -hmm. family.
0: Yeah no exactly. Thank you all.
1: I really hope you enjoyed listening to our first go at this. Nadia, have you got any idea on what we're going to be talking about next week?
0: Yes, you cannot call me Nadia on a podcast. (laughs) We've been friends for like 15 years. Can you pronounce my name correctly? (laughs) So next week we're going to be taking a bit of a dive into honour killings and the case of Banas Mahmood. I've actually done a lot of research into this, so I'm, guess, kind of excited to share it with you just to see what you think about it. Um, And, yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. Great. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye.